Thank you for tuning in to Making Waves on your hydro-powered, volunteer-powered public radio station, Radio Catskill WJFF. Please join us every Monday evening at 7 p.m. here at 90.5 FM and streaming online, wjffradio.org. Coming up next, uh, Trailer Talk with Sabrina Artel. Stay tuned. It's an all Stravinsky program next time on the New York Philharmonic this week. This is Alec Baldwin. Please join me for a broadcast that will feature a soldier's tale with a cast that includes Matt Cavanaugh, Daniel Davis, and yours truly. Also on the program, Renard. Valery Gergiev will conduct the New York Philharmonic this week. Tuesday at noon on WJFF. Welcome to Sabrina Artel's Trailer Talk. I'll bring you all kinds of stories from all kinds of people. Whether it's a live public conversation and we're speaking from the kitchen table of my 1965 Beeline Travel Trailer, from the studios or on the streets, please sit back and enjoy the conversation right here this time every week. Sister Love is an AIDS and reproductive justice nonprofit organization with a focus on HIV AIDS. Sister Love is on a mission to eradicate the adverse impact of HIV-AIDS and other reproductive health challenges upon women and their families through education, prevention support, and human rights advocacy in the United States and around the world. Sister Love is based in Atlanta, Georgia, and works locally, regionally, nationally, and internationally to stem the spread of HIV and increase awareness of the pandemic and its effects upon women, particularly women of African descent, who are statistically most at risk for contracting the virus that causes AIDS. From the Kaiser Family Foundation, their data on women and HIV-AIDS in the U.S. Women have been affected by HIV-AIDS since the beginning of the epidemic. Today, women account for one in five 20% new HIV infections in the U.S. Women of color, particularly black women, have been especially hard hit and represent the majority of women living with the disease and women newly infected. As with people with HIV overall, most women with HIV are not in regular care and only a quarter are virally suppressed. Women with and at risk for HIV face several challenges to getting the services and information they need, including socioeconomic and structural barriers such as poverty, cultural inequities, and sexual violence. And women may place the needs of their family above their own. In addition, women also experience different clinical symptoms and complications due to HIV disease. Despite this impact, there are promising new signs, with data indicating that HIV infections are now falling among women, including among black women, although they continue to rise among gay men. Still, addressing the epidemic's impacts on women in the U.S., particularly women of color, remains critical to ensuring that these encouraging trends continue. Black Americans and HIV AIDS. Black Americans have been disproportionately affected by HIV-AIDS since the epidemic's beginning, and that disparity has deepened over time. Today, there are more than 1.1 million people living with HIV-AIDS in the U.S., including more than 506,000 who are black. Although black Americans represent only 12% of the U.S. population, they accounted for 44% of new HIV infections and an estimated 44% of people living with HIV in 2010. 
Blacks also accounted for almost half of new AIDS diagnoses, 49 percent, in 2011, AIDS being the most advanced form of HIV disease. We're in Atlanta, Georgia. Please introduce yourself. My name is Mary Bowman. Hi, Mary. Thank you so much for talking to me. I want to begin with the poem that you just performed at the Sister Love event. If you could share with us what the inspiration for that poem oh. is. Okay. But I know the road this dandelion endured. This weed that all gardeners want to destroy is more appreciated by God than any seemingly beautiful bush of roses. Though they're mutely misunderstood. The inspiration for that poem was um, one in part my mother. Um, my biological mother who passed away in 1992 from complications of, with AIDS. Um, and the second inspiration I should say is uh, I was watching um, a deaf poetry um, show, deaf poetry um, jam, something on HBO. Um, and a guy did a poem uh, about his mother and so that in, in inspired me to write the poem with the metaphor of dandelions and roses. Um, so that was really the inspiration. And. If you could share with us what led you to use art and poetry to address these issues that you are talking about with HIV and AIDS and, and what the inspiration for that was. Um, I, it didn't, it didn't start out as a tool or a vehicle. It started out as, um, me just getting, having an outlet. Um, because, you know, growing up, I wasn't allowed to talk about my HIV status. And so, when I got became an adult and started writing poetry and started performing it, that was my outlet. And so um, it turned out that it touched so many people and inspired so many people that then I decided that, you know, I would like to use this as a tool for advocacy and, and work in the community for HIV positive people. So you just said that you weren't allowed to talk about your status, your HIV status. So how did that happen and then how did how did you begin to speak out what was that turning point for you um okay well uh my mom the woman who raised me i was i was raised by my mom and um my biological father um you know they were you know they grew up in the in the they were there in the epi the beginning of the epidemic so it was so so stigmatized and so much going on about it um that you know one day when i found out in the fourth grade I went to school and I stood up and told the whole class that I had HIV um, and my teacher told my mom and so my mom then told me that I could get kicked out of school and all of that so I shouldn't talk about it um, and that just really started internal stigma just feeling bad for having HIV when it really I didn't do anything wrong um, to get it because she had told me that I got it from my biological mother um, and so it just made me not like myself in addition to being teased and bullied in school, just normal school kid problems. I had that in addition to, to all of that. Um, and so it just made me feel really ashamed of who I was. And so um, when I started going to open mics a few years back, um, I saw a lot of people who weren't ashamed of who they were. They were telling their stories. And so that just inspired me to share mine as well. And did you begin to do that at the Women's Collective in D.C.? Or were there other places that you began to perform your work and express yourself? I started performing poetry at an open mic in D.C. called Spit That. Um, a weekly open mic on Thursday nights. Um, that's where I started out. Could you tell us a bit about the Women's Collective as well in D.C. and your involvement with that organization? Well, um, 
The Women's Collective is a, a, a organization in D.C. who uh, helps women living with an affected by the virus and also has services for women at risk for AIDS and HIV. Um, and I started volunteering for them because I was looking for more work in the HIV community. I wanted to do more besides poetry. Um, and so someone uh, directed me to the Women's Collective. Um, and so ever since like our first meeting, I think... Um, I did a poem for one of their PSAs. And so ever since then, they just kept inviting me out to programs to perform and everything. So we've been having our relationship for a couple of years now. And you talked about the first time you began to perform your poetry. And do do you call it spoken word or poetry? Do you have a? It's 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 it's, it's both. It's uh, I, I believe that spoken word is just poetry performed. So so with your poetry, you said you first went to a performance venue in D.C. called Spit That. Yeah. And what did you perform? How did that go? Um, I performed a terrible piece. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, very, very early in my writings, um, I performed a piece. I think it was called Story of My Life. Um, and it was about my father being a drug dealer and my biological mother um, being his partner and, and that. And um, just how I felt about being left here um, by my biological mother, just to fight the fight alone um, and all of that. So... And when you say being left here, what what do you mean? Um, for a long time, I felt like my mother abandoned me. Um, it took a long time to reconcile with my within myself um, and to get over the fact that you know she just passed away. Um, because to a child, you know, especially living with the virus and knowing that I had a biological mother who wasn't able to care for me, I felt abandoned. Um, and so it took a long time to really get over that and really just understand because my mother was around 26 27 when she passed away so I'm almost 25 and so just really putting into perspective being a 20 year old in Washington DC with five children and fighting addiction and and, and, and fighting a sickness it just really made me understand what she was going through so I was able to get over that and, and heal from that and and just really appreciate her for bringing me into this world. Hmm. And that's the poem that you performed tonight. Yes, Dandelions is about, it's about her. And you compared your mother as a dandelion to a rose. And if you could share with us some of those analogies that you were making in the poem. Um, roses were created with thorns to warn hands approaching without caution. Dandelions weren't given that option. Um, that's one of the analogies I use because, of course, roses have thorns, and you know, if you touch it incorrectly, it it bruises you. But as as opposed to a dandelion, if you you can grab it, you can abuse it, you can do whatever to it. It has no defense mechanisms really, um, and so just to just to just to paint the picture that dandelions are just as beautiful as roses, um, and if not more beautiful because we're able to stand through ignorance and hatred and and just being outcast in the world and and uh all of that so Hmm. thank you and so from that moment at spit that in dc at the performance venue when you began to share to perform your poems what what was that next step because you're talking about this your own journey Mm -hmm. with your hiv status with 
with your biological mother and your father also dealing with HIV and AIDS and the mm. loss of your biological mother. And so to take us perhaps on this journey as you're talking about your own awareness of what was happening to you and your family and then you're describing what ha what you were beginning to see in terms of community outside of yourself mm -hmm. and some of the, the needs mm -hmm. that are there. So if you could help us to to understand what this journey has been because now as you're performing your poems mm -hmm. and and your spoken word pieces you're reaching out and and as you were saying tonight you want participation and mm -hmm. involvement and response and so it's this idea of some sort of dialogue mm -hmm. isn't it with, it is. with these issues definitely so what are definitely um the journey the journey it it, it really just started by um, performing the poem, I performed dandelions um, for the first time, and and so when people would come to the open mic to hear it, they would you know hear the poem, and they would invite me to different programs that their organizations were having, and so that's really how the journey got started is pretty much word of mouth, um, and so I started performing my poems, and during different like World AIDS Day programs and things of that nature, and um, then I started, like, people started asking me to share my story as well. And so that really just, like, it was like a snowball effect. Um, and so now I'm a, I guess, a motivational speaker, performer, everything. So that was pretty much my journey. And so now you're 24, almost 25. Mm -hmm. And this is your story, a very personal story that you're sharing, as you say, to motivate and, and activate. Mm -hmm. Activate towards what? What What is it that you see that are the needs for yourself uh, and those of the people that are a part of this community of people impacted by HIV and AIDS? Um, I, I did it personally because I didn't want it to get my story out because I needed to heal from it. Um, I do it for people living with an affected by AIDS and HIV because there are people who have a story that don't have the courage to tell their story so I do it for them um, and, and for people who are not positive as well um, I do it so they can see that HIV positive people are not feeble they're not unable to do anything they're not weak and you know sickly bodied or or anything like they're we're strong um, beautiful people who are courageous and who take on life strong and, and courageous and, and just do what we have to do, just like anyone else. And in describing your life as a child and what you were having to manage, do you see, like, what are some of these larger issues in a way? Because you were talking about your own having to deal with not having certain information and being silenced because of your HIV status. And and you mentioned your father being a drug dealer. And I think you said your biological mother as well. Mm, I'm not sure if she was a drug dealer. I do know she um, was uh, an addict. She was addicted to drugs. You know, so managing all, all of these things, mm -hmm. Uh, and as you're reaching out with poems, with words, mm -hmm. uh, to to share your story and connect to the community, how would you uh, describe what your 
seeing as, as some of the very important things that are needing to be addressed today uh, and, and just in your own journey, some of perhaps the awareness that you could share with us? Oh, the needs is, is really um, medication. Um, there's still people who don't have access to medicines, treatment, um, counseling, um, counseling for disclosure, um, uh, HIV criminalization, people being arrested because they didn't tell a partner. Um, and so it's like that especially um, because I dealt with disclosure for a long time. Um, with an ex of mine, I waited a long time before I told her that I was HIV positive, and that really changed my life. Um, I believe that everybody has has the right to choose whether or not they want to deal with certain people. So I believe in honesty, but I do understand that telling someone that you're HIV positive is a very hard thing to do. Um, and so, you know, you can't criminalize someone for not telling their partner if you're not if you're not counseling them on how to deal with them if they if they reject them or if they uh, have a bad reaction or um, if they you know how to deal with certain questions that people may have you know if you if you're not going to train people on how to do it you can't just sit them in jail that's that's not fair what are some of the issues about non-disclosure that you're talking about uh, or disclosure but in terms of HIV status what are some of those specifics I mean that you're you're sharing with us that you've had to deal with personally I mean so we can understand right so people can sure, understand sure. Um, one of the issues is is fear you sometimes you're just scared to, to let someone know that you expect so like with me it's easy not easy but it's it's more acceptable for me to say that I'm HIV positive because I was born HIV positive. So it's like, oh, you didn't do anything. You're know, just a little innocent little baby. Um, so, but for someone who have 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 may have contracted it behaviorally, like by someone that something that they did, they're looked at as like, oh well, you don't deserve the same kind of treatment as she because you did something. But no, that's not the case. Um, everybody deserves love. Everybody deserves caring and, 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 and trust and everything. Um, and so because of, because of the stigma attached to HIV, it's hard for people to disclose their status because they're judged and, in a very harsh way. And how would you say you live in D.C. and you're also traveling, as you say, to conferences and events to share your poems, perform them uh, through spoken word? So would you say, I guess what I want to get at is how much awareness is there to this issue? Um, I do find that people in certain communities that aren't necessarily affected by AIDS and HIV, there isn't a lot of awareness in their communities. Like in D.C., I'm actually from Maryland. I, I say D.C. because it's easier. People don't recognize the difference. Um, but I live like uh, right across the street from D.C., really. Um, and when you go into D.C., you see a lot of ads about HIV awareness, a lot of uh, a lot of billboards. I mean, like HIV is very 
prevalent in DC because our the rates are so high in DC. So of course in that community awareness is there. If you go I don't know, somewhere in Kentucky maybe, you might not as you might not find as much HIV awareness because people in Kentucky may not be as affected there. Um and so I do find that the areas that are affected by HIV, they have more awareness. Um, like the MSM, men, men who have sex with men, they have countless amounts of awareness for them because, because of the epidemic and how it started. And, you know, it started with men who have sex with men. Um, and so it, it really, it just really depends on what area you're in. Um, and so, I haven't reached out to the areas that is not so much awareness. I'm, I plan on doing that. Um, and that's why I do poetry because I can go into spaces where, you know, they might just call on a poet and I can give them that, but I can also give them HIV awareness. And so in a lot of spaces, like I've done stuff at, at Bus Boys and Poets in, in Shirlington, Virginia, and, you know, people have come up to me and they'll say, well, I've never met anybody that had HIV or I didn't know um, so much about HIV or, or it's just, you know, it's nice to meet someone that actually has HIV and who is living with it and, and, and doing positive things. Um, while living with the virus. Do you find that your art through your poetry is a way in to both yourself and to your audience? Yes. Into these issues? Yes, I do. Um, art, I think art is a universal language. Um, I, I think that art speaks in a way that regular language doesn't. Um, it evokes emotions. So instead of me just, you know, just sitting up there and say, hi, I'm Mary Bowman, this is, I'm HIV positive, da 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 If I say a poem, it, you know, it touches them differently. I don't really know how to put it in words, but it's, it's a different, it's, it's, it's a different feeling. Um, and it, you know, they listen better when it's a poem. It's like, oh, this person is up there spitting this poetry, no paper, no nothing. And it's awesome, but it's also a message. So it's it, it's it's a wonderful tool. I, I recommend using art for everything. <laughs> mm, I would agree. <laughs> is there anything you want to share? Do you want to share any of your words with us? Um, Here we are in Atlanta <laughs> on a bench outside of oh. this event with Sister Love. You'd want to share a poem? I mean, just if something comes to mind? Sure. I'll, uh, since we talked about... Uh, Talked. I talked a little bit about medication adherence for a long time. I um I didn't take my medicine because taking my medicine admitted that I was HIV positive. For a long time, I didn't want to admit that, and I still have struggles um, with medication adherence um, because it has been a battle of mine for all of my life, as long as I can remember. Um, so I think that this is important. Um, it's kind of long. Is that okay? Honesty is sometimes the hardest thing to bring to the table when you're feeding souls who are sometimes unable to decipher real life. And sometimes I'm afraid to admit that I still tend to miss doses 
Because even though I write about it, I don't like to focus on the realities of living with HIV. My therapist be asking what having HIV means for me, and I promised myself to never bring this part into my poetry. But I constantly feel like I'm betraying my people. I can hear them scream, we are supposed to be equal, but you keep cheating, peeking through the peephole, ignoring the elephant knocking at your door, 24 years old, and that spot is still so sore, so here's my honest poem. Yes, I ignore my disease, but please understand that I still have feelings of inadequacy, a fear of abandonment, and I still be feeling like people will look at me differently, and, and I feel like people only like my poetry because they feel sorry for me, so I cope through a missed dose. Maybe if I don't take this pill, then I can be as normal as I want to be. I'm living a facade, but in reality, I still can't join the army, and I don't really want to go. But the fact that they've prohibited me makes me feel like I will never be all that I can be, so I'm just camouflaged, draped in insecure fatigues, immune system fighting too hard, I'm always fatigued, and this chick in the mirror always be looking at me like I owe her something better. She's bitter, hurt, because the mother she's never known used to be her babysitter and she just wants to know that if no one else gets her if no one else in this world understands and it should be me and i do but it still hurts pain still lurks in the dark corners of poetry venues threatening to expose the misuse of thumbs dancing across my blackberry and this is what's scary i don't even care anymore the allure of freedom is far more attractive than being an activist who is inactive in the pursuit of attaining an undetectable viral load. So, if pain chooses to expose the fact that I sometimes spit HIV-infused poems, then go home and tell my T-cells lies that they're doing well without a pill, then so shall it be. Because there's a big difference between HIV having you and having HIV. Honesty is sometimes the hardest thing to bring to the table when you're feeding souls who are sometimes unable to decipher for real life i just pray that when that chick in the mirror hears this she will accept it as my attempt to give her something better because she deserves something better and if anyone in this world gets her it's me and the other millions of dandelions in the world born with hiv who wish they even had a pearl to cast before swine but only have a plus sign that followed three letters as heavy as the cross of the man crucified and i know how this sounds but isaiah and peter lied about the stripes by which we are all supposed to be healed at least that's how it feels on one hand they tell me that Jesus is real and on the other hand they tell me that he, there isn't a cure but I'm sure there's a perfectly good explanation just let me know if I'm patiently waiting on a healing that was never meant for me let me know if HIV will never be a memory but always a current event slowly killing me while I continue to write letting dandelions in this world know that they aren't alone in this life thank you thank you that is Mary Bowman how old were you when you began taking medication? I don't even know. I was probably, probably young, like one years old, I guess. I don't know. Mm. When did you first perform this spoken word piece? The one I just did? Yes. Sheesh. Uh -huh. uh, a couple of years ago. All of my poetry are like a couple, a couple of years old. Um, so it has to be about two or three years ago I started doing that piece. And Mary, what? Would you like people to know right now, or do, you, or what do you feel is needed right now? The most urgent needs. Compassion. I feel. I feel that if if people just have more compassion, and and understanding and empathy, then I believe that people would do more to help 
with the fight against HIV AIDS. Thank you, Mary. Thank you. I'm speaking with Mary Bowman. We're in Atlanta, Georgia at the Sister Love event and uh, it's been such a pleasure to be able to speak with you and for you to share your story with us. Thank you for having me. I appreciate you. You're welcome. How can people find you? Um, you can find me on all social media outlets at J-U-S-T-M-A-R-Y-B-O-W-M-A-N. Just Mary Bowman in Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, YouTube. Thank you. From the kitchen table, out on the road, I'm Sabrina Artel. Just Mary Bowman in Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, YouTube. To find out more about Sister Love, please visit www.sisterlove.org. And for the Women's Collective, please visit www.womenscollective.org. Thanks for joining me for Sabrina Artel's Trailer Talk. The music for the show, Patti Smith, People Have the Power. Trailer Talk is produced by Sabrina Artel and assistant producer, Babe Howard. For more information, please visit trailertalk.net. Special thanks to WJFF Radio Catskill and the numerous people who have donated their time, resources, and conversations to make Trailer Talk possible. Thank you all who joined me in these conversations. I'm Sabrina Artel. Safe travels. You're listening to WJFF, broadcasting at 90.5 and 94.5 FM in the Sullivan County Catskills in Northeast PA. We also stream online at WJFFradio.org, where you can also find our audio archives. And the WJFF app is available from the Apple or Android app stores. However you're listening, thank you for listening to WJFF. Hey, it's me, Brad Mann. Every Wednesday night at 8, I bring you two hours of brand new music on Neonatal Pulse. Starting June 5th, stay tuned after my show for an additional half hour of new releases and more. It's all songs considered from NPR Music with Bob Moylan and Robin Hilton at a new time. Neonatal Pulse at 8 and all songs considered at 10 starting June 5th on WJFF. WJFF Jeffersonville W235.